All right, good morning, everybody. How are you? So I got, uh, I got news for John Egan. This is not humid. I was born in the bayous of Louisiana, which is a suburb of the Burmese jungle. I can promise you this is not humid. This is paradise, right? I mean, come on. Even when it's slightly humid in Colorado, it is still paradise here. So, so good. How do you like that's a great new song that was written by John Egan and Micah Massey. I'm so grateful for the new songs that are coming. I have uh, new nicknames for John and Micah. You should know this. John, I call him Jersey Jesus because he's from New Jersey. And Micah is European Jesus. So this Jersey Jesus and European Jesus wrote that new song. So, all right, you didn't get that joke. I, the long hair, okay, they're from Jersey. All right, the good dad joke, I thought, a really good dad joke. All right, turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 1. We're also going to be in 1 Timothy 6. And we're talking today, we're walking through a series through the book of Proverbs this entire summer. And I'm excited about this series. And while you're turning there, I want all the parents in the room, if you have junior high and high school students, make sure that they're coming to Desperation That's in about a month from now. And we're hosting live Desperation for our 20th year. Desperation is coming back in person, live here in the auditorium. And students from all over the country will gather in this room for three days of prayer and worship and consecration and a lot of fun, too. I promise you, your kids have been home way too much this past year, and I'm giving you a perfect excuse to get rid of your children for three days, and they'll come back more in love with Jesus. That is a good deal. All the parents said amen, right? Amen, right. Now... I want to say to the parents, I know it costs to come to desperation. And at, here at New Life Church, we never, ever, ever want the price of a ticket to keep you from sending your kids. So if you have any concerns, if you have, maybe you're going through a time where you can't afford to send your kids, all you have to do is just come to me and tell me, tell any of the pastors on staff, I promise you, we will never, ever, ever keep money. We'll never keep your kids from being in ministry at New Life Church. So we'll take care of it. We'll bless you. We'll bless all your whole family if you need it. Don't be afraid to ask. We have scholarships available. We want your kids to be a part of desperation. Okay, is that a good deal? Say amen. All right. All right. Turn to Proverbs 1. We're going to talk today about uh, a, a topic that has crept into our culture in a way that most people don't think. We're going to talk today about avoiding greed, about confronting it, addressing it, <coughs> talking about it. So I want to tell you a story. Several weeks ago, uh, in the middle of the night, someone came to the front door of our church and spray painted on the front door of our church, greed is sin, in big black letters. And uh, I appreciated that. We actually have a pretty world-class security system. So if you're listening today, we have your name, we have your, your license plate number, we saw your face, but because we are a generous church, we did not press charges. And because we're a good people, we're not greedy people. And I thought when I saw it, when, when I, they sent me a photo, greed is sin, I laughed at myself because I said, I'm about to preach on this. And <clears throat> this is what the irony of it, obviously this person doesn't attend New Life, because the Sunday before, I had talked about doing more, building more dream centers, building more apartment complex for homeless single moms, doing all that we can to reach our city. And so obviously they're not new lifers. And Pastor Eddie apologized. He did not realize that graffiti was not welcomed at our church. So Eddie cleaned it up. I appreciate it. That's not a true story. You are not laughing at any of the jokes today, okay? And I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to keep telling them until you laugh. I'm just going to keep telling them. No, anyway, so the 
I was thinking about that because the world, when it sees a big church, they see a church up here in the northern part of our city, the assumption is that the American church is full of greed. That's not true, because I know many generous churches around our city who give extravagantly to bless our city. But I wonder if the church, if we've not done a good enough job talking about this issue, talking about the sin of greed, confronting greed in our own hearts first. So it's easy sometimes to think about all those greedy people out there, but that's not the point of the message today. I want you to take this message personally. I don't think you're a greedy group of people. I don't. I don't think greed is run rampant at New Life. But the Bible talks about greed. Therefore, we should talk about greed. So what we're going to do today is read the Bible, and we're going to hold the mirror up to our own soul first. And what we're asking today is for the, the, the scriptures to look deeply into our heart and for us to see ourselves clearly and plainly through the lens of scripture, not through the lens of graffiti on the front door, but can we see ourselves through the lens of scripture? So before we read the Bible, let's just pray. Let's ask, I want you to pray for a personal revelation from this message. I'm asking you to, to welcome the work of the Holy Spirit so that when you hear this message, your first thought is, how can I confront this in my own heart first? Would you do that? It's a pretty bold prayer. Would you pray with me? I'm going to ask it for myself as well. So, Father in heaven, we open up your Bible today, the scriptures that you've given us. And this is your voice speaking to us. This is the mirror of the Holy Spirit reflecting back to us who we should be, who we should become, the goodness of God, the glory of God. So we give you permission today by the power of your Holy Spirit to change us, to shape us, to form us, to convict us, Lord, to encourage us and to strengthen us. And we give you permission to do all of that today in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, say really loud, amen. 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 All right, Proverbs chapter one. Now, when you read this passage of scripture, most people misunderstand this particular passage of scripture, but we're gonna read the entire thing, okay? So this is Proverbs one. Verse 10, we're going to read all the way through verse 19. Listen to what Solomon, the wealthiest man who may have ever existed on, on planet Earth, what he shares with us out of the book of Proverbs. Chapter 1, verse 10. My son and daughters, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. In other words, don't hang out with bad people. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for innocent blood. In other words, let's take advantage of vulnerable people. Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole, like those who go down to the pit. And let's, we will get all sorts of valuable things. In other words, we're going to get rich off of their pain. We're going to get rich off of their, them. We'll get all sorts of valuable things. We'll fill our houses with plunder. We're going to have to have new storage units. We're going to have to add closets to our house. We're going to get a lot of stuff for our house. This is what the Bible's saying. So cast lots with us, and we will share the loot. Now this is what Solomon is saying. He says, if you, if you get tempted to do those things, my son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths. And he says, for their feet rush into evil, and they are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. In other words, this is obviously going to go wrong. And these men lie in wait for their own blood. In other words, the harm that they wish to cause on other people is actually going to come back on them. What you give will come back to your home. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. Look at verse 19, very sobering. 
Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. Now, when people read this passage of Scripture, most people think, well, this is Solomon warning us about bad friends. This is Solomon telling us not to do violent acts against other people. No, Solomon is talking about greed. The motivation for this behavior is really obvious when you look at it. The motivation for this violent act is for greed, for ill-gotten gain. So I want you to hear this. I want you, this is the one thing I actually want you to remember from this message. I'm going to give it to you up front. Greed, the sin of greed, is a violent act against a generous God. It is a violent act against the goodness of God, the generous nature of God. And this is why the sin of greed is so prevalent and so pervasive in our culture. And not only in America, but around the world. Greed is a motivating sin for some of the worst behavior in the history of mankind. In fact, almost all of wars that have started, all of, a lot of deaths that have been caused is because of greed. Greed for power, greed for money, greed for status and acclaim. Greed is a powerful motivator and it is a violent spiritual act against a generous and good God. And greed primarily starts in our thinking and our attitudes. It, it begins in what we believe. Greed is self-focused. And this is why it's so inherently evil. Because greed turns all the attention to ourselves and away from the people in our city who really need our resources, who need our generosity. Greed is self-focused. And here are three things. Look, I need more, I deserve more, and I want more. So I want you to pay attention to the internet advertising that you're watching, the television advertising that you're listening to or watching, and notice how many times the phrase, you deserve this, pops up in advertising. And advertisers have figured out if they can convince you that you deserve something, that you need something, that you want something, that you'll go buy it. So advertisers are savvy to this trick, and they are, they're feeding on the base nature of our, of our human weakness. This is, this is a weakness in every human being. We convince ourselves that we need more, we deserve more, I want more. And greed happens when we stop worshiping the creator of things and start worshiping the things that were created. Our focus and our attention is on products, on stuff, on things, and we get our eyes off of the goodness of God. All right, now, I know that nobody walked in the room. I'm talking to a room full of saints today. I know that you are holy, saint-like people, and none of you walked into the room as greedy people. But there are a handful of people watching online that really need to hear this today. So I want you, would you play along with me today as a church so that I can help two or three greedy people watching online? I mean, I, nobody, nobody brags about being greedy. Have you noticed that? Have you ever had anybody walk up to you and say, listen, if you ever need to know something about greed, I'm the expert. I know a lot about greed. I have perfected greed at my home. I am a super greedy person. If you want to become more greedy, I can sit with you and disciple you on greed. Nobody brags about being greedy. Everybody knows it's wrong, right? Amen, I thought I'd get an amen there. Everybody knows it's wrong, but we're all prone to it. And it starts, listen, it starts in, by, in a thousand steps. A thousand tiny steps lead you to becoming a greedy person. Most people don't take one giant step into greed. They take a thousand tiny steps toward greed. So I'm going to tell you about three attitudes that start creeping into your heart. And I promise you, you may not think you're a greedy person, and you're probably not. But I bet you that you've been tempted with one of these three lies in the last week. 
I, be, I guarantee most of us have believed one of these three attitudes. So how do you know if you're greedy? All right, let's read 1 Timothy 6 because there's a parallel passage in the New Testament that gives us insight into whether or not we're greedy. So let's read this together. 1 Timothy 6, this is Paul writing to a young man named Timothy, and he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Have you ever seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul? No, because you can't take it with you. You're not, it's it's going to stay here when you die. It's all going to be left behind. Your kids and grandkids will spend your wealth. You do know that, right? Pam and I have told our kids, we're spending all of your inheritance. We're spending all of it. We're leaving you. We came into the world with nothing. You're going to come into the world with nothing. But if we, I'm joking. But if we have food and clothing, we should be content with that. People who want to get rich, who want to get rich. So this is not a message to just rich people. A lot of people think the only greedy people on the planet are rich people. That's not what Paul says. Paul, Paul says actually poor people can be as greedy for gain as wealthy people. In other words, the desire is misplaced. The desire is wrong. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and traps, into many foolish and harmful schemes and desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. And look at verse 10. The love of money, not money, because there are wealthy people in the room who are super generous. You're not greedy because you're wealthy. You're, You're greedy because you have a love for money that is misplaced. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This is a parallel passage to Proverbs chapter 1. So greedy people wrestle with three wrong attitudes, and I'm going to show these to you today, okay? And they're very simple, but I hope you never forget this, because this, will, this, is, this message will act like an umpire. It will guard your heart if you will allow it. It will guard your heart. It will stand at the door of your heart and literally keep greed away if you'll just address this and confront this. Here's the first lie that we believe on the path toward greediness. Number one is I don't have enough. I don't have enough. And that that begins to creep into your soul. And what happens is you're scrolling through Instagram or your Facebook page if you're over 50 and you're looking at all the vacations that other people are taking, the houses that other people live in, the things that other people are doing, the food that other people's cooking. And you realize I don't have that. I don't have enough. I am missing out. I am not happy. And it robs us of the joy of what we do have. The very thing that God has blessed us with suddenly does not, is not enough. God, you haven't given me enough. Look what you gave other people. This is why Paul is warning him godliness with contentment. Godliness without contentment is misery. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Several years ago, I got invited to speak to a group of pastors in Nairobi, Kenya, and then outside in another town called Kiambu, a suburb of Kenya. And I spent the entire week with a group of guys, and we were teaching pastors, meeting with pastors, encouraging pastors. I mean, early in the morning to late at night, we were working hard. And all that week, I had this, just this amazing young man who spoke Swahili, as his native tongue, and he was fluent in English. And so he was my interpreter the entire week, and he preached my messages much better than I did. And I don't know if he actually preached my message. Whatever he was saying, though, to the crowd in front of me, I, was, I would say something and he would say something. When I said it, nobody moved like you guys. They didn't laugh at my jokes at all. But when he spoke it, they went nuts. Whatever he said, they went nuts. 
So all week long, he made me look a lot better than I really was, all right? So at the end of that week, we're on the way to the Nairobi airport, and we have a nine-hour flight to London, a two-hour layover, and a nine-hour flight back to the United States ahead of us. And we're, so we're thinking about that. We're tired, and we got these two long flights ahead of us. And he said to us, hey, I know you're on your way to the airport, but would you please, it would be an honor for my family and I if you would come by my house and pray over my wife and children, and I want to show you my brand new house. Now, we're Americanos, right? So we're thinking brand new house, indoor plumbing, multiple bedrooms. I mean, that's what we all think is our American mindset. So we pull up to this cinder block apartment complex, three levels. He had the top level. And when I say top level, his entire house was about as big as half this platform. And we walked in, it was concrete floors with some rugs thrown on it, cinder block walls and a metal roof. And he, it was spit shined, it was clean, it was, everything smelled great. His family was there, they had their best Sunday clothes on, they were meeting, wanted to meet us and we walked in and this is his brand new house and we were bragging on it, we, were prayed, we prayed for his wife and his children, we blessed them. And then, you know, we have a long drive to the airport so I said to him, can I borrow your bathroom? And he looked at me and he, it embarrassed him. And he said, it's actually out there. And I said, well, is there an outdoor bathroom? He goes, no, the outdoors are the bathroom. And here I was, this guy was so full of Jesus. He was so content. He was so full of the spirit. He didn't have indoor plumbing. And I thought to myself, here's this guy that's full of Jesus, full of the Spirit. He is content. He is joyful. He is celebrating the work that God's doing in his life. And he goes out into the woods for the bathroom. When I got home that night, most of us have more than one bathroom in our house. And it's all inside. Most of us have indoor plumbing. And we have more than one, most of us. And I thought to myself, please, Lord, let me never, ever think that you have not blessed me. That you're blessed. Let me be content with what you've placed in front of me. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godly people who, in other words, another way of saying it is godly people who are content always feel like they are blessed. They always feel blessed. And godly people who are not content never feel like they have enough. May we be a people this is why I'm encouraging all of you to go on a global trip now that the pandemic is receding and we can fly globally again or go globally. I'm asking you to go to another country and see what God is doing south of the equator. Do you know there is absolute revival breaking out in some of the poorest countries in the world? Wealth is not a sign of revival. Contentment is a sign of revival. And the global south is proving that to all of us here that you don't have to have a bunch of stuff to feel blessed by the Lord. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. So that's the first lie. I don't have enough. If you believe that first lie that you don't have enough, then you'll be quick to believe the second lie, which is what I do have is mine. It's mine. You know, you, this is the first word that every kid speaks. Mine. Mine. Don't touch it. Mine. <laughs> Come on. All your kids, they didn't say daddy. They didn't say mama. They said mine. Stop it. I love 1 Timothy, if we brought nothing into the world, can't take anything out of it. It's not ours. We are but brief stewards of the resources. You know that every dollar you have right now, someone else will have later. The house you're living in, someone else will live in at, another, at some point. Your car, it'll either be in the rust pile or someone else will drive it. Nothing you have, nothing I have is permanent. 
It's all, it's, we're all stewarding it. We're all walking through the world stewarding these things. When, about 15, I don't know, 14 years ago, right when I became pastor here, we had a men's retreat up in the mountain, and one of the guys that was on the men's retreat had just gotten out of federal prison. He had served 20 years in his entire adult life in prison. In prison. He, was, he wasn't in prison ministry. He was a prisoner. And he, he was sitting at my table and at the men's retreat. And, you know, this was like a cafeteria where you went and got a tray of food, and then you went and sat at one of those circle tables where you could see each other. So he got his tray of food. He's right behind me. He comes and sits at my table. And I put my tray down. He puts his tray down. I sit down. And as soon as he sits down, he does this to his tray. Puts his arms around it and then eats it. I mean, in like a minute and a half. Two minutes, I'm not exaggerating. In less than two minutes, he scarfed down his entire lunch. And he had his arms around the food just like this. And his head was down and he ate it. I mean, before I could get through my burger, he had finished his whole meal. And I looked at him and, you know, I don't want to insult the guy. He's been in prison 20 years. He's a brand new believer. I don't know how saved he is. And so I looked at him and I said, what was that about? Why did you eat your lunch so quick? Because we had a whole hour for lunch. And he said, I'm, he said, he was embarrassed. He said, I'm so sorry. He said, I've been in the federal prison for 20 years and this is good prison food. This will be, this will be a really good meal in prison. So we learned that when you get really good food in prison, you better eat it quick or somebody can take it from you. See, this is what happens. This is the way most of you are living your life right now. Crunch down over the dollars, the resources, whatever God's blessed you with, and you're consuming all of your resources as fast as you can because you're concerned that God is not able to deliver another meal. See, that's the lie we begin to believe. This meal is really good, but can God ever do it again? I don't have enough. Therefore, when I am blessed, I am going to protect it. I'm going to put my arms around it. Nobody else can benefit from the blessings of the Lord. See, greed is a desire to get more without ever intending to give it away. He wasn't willing to share his meal. I was willing to share my meal with him, but he didn't know how to share what God had given him. All he knew to do was protect it. And this is how we're built, to protect the blessing instead of to give away the blessing. Some of you are living like a reservoir when we should be living like a river. Blessing in, blessing out. Blessing in, blessing out. We don't store up treasures we don't store up treasures on earth. It's okay to save. It's okay to be debt free. It's okay to prepare for retirement. I do all those things. But everything I own belongs to the Lord. So oftentimes during worship, when I'm, my hands are turned like this, it's not just saying, Lord, I exalt you like we were singing. Actually, what I'm saying is everything I am, everything I own, everything you have given me, Father, it's yours. I am yours and you are mine. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I am not going to hold on to what you've given me. I don't want to belong to a church that hoards its resources. I don't want to belong to a church that doesn't give away. I got to tell you one more story. And I just thought of this story. And Pastor, Pastor Brian Newberg, our CFO, is here. He's been on staff for 25 years and he can, he can validate this story. But years and years ago, back in 2009 and 2010, you remember our local economy tanked. And giving went down because the economy went down and people were not able to give. So our church giving suffered. And we were having to make some hard choices about giving and about the way we were running our church. And we were having a lot of meetings about this. And one of the decisions we made was to go to a local bank and ask them for a line of credit in case we needed it. 
A lot of people do that. It's nothing wrong with that. So we went to a local bank, and the local bank said, uh, you have plenty of money. And I said, we said, what, what are you talking about? They said, well, we're looking at your giving statement here, and you give 12% of your dollars away to missionaries and to local ministries. He said, use that money to pay your bills. We can't give you a line of credit because you have money. And we said back to the sweet banker, that's not our money. That's money that belongs to the Lord. We're giving that money away. We're not going to stop being generous in order to satisfy the needs of a bank. That money doesn't belong to us. This is the money that belongs to us. And they couldn't understand it. You're giving away 12% of your money in a time when you need cash flow. And so we went to another bank who understood it and we got the line of credit from another bank. Listen, let me tell you something. The Lord blesses generous people. And when you, have, when you are willing to give, God will supply your need. And anything, by the way, anything you're not willing to give away has already become an idol. So what is it in your home that you're not willing to share? What is it that, you, that belongs to you that you're not willing to give away? That probably is an idol. It needs to be confronted. And giving is the only proof at my house that I've overcome greed. I hear people all the time say, well, I'm not a greedy person. Show me your bank account and I'll tell you if you're greedy or not. Or are you willing to give it away? Are you willing to be extravagantly generous when God calls you to do it? And giving is the only proof. So those are the first two lies. Now the third lie becomes a little more nefarious. It becomes a little more evil in some ways. I don't have enough. What I have is mine. If you believe those first two lies, then I'm going to do whatever it takes to get more. See, this third lie, you begin to justify your behavior. This is when you begin to compromise biblical convictions for the sake of earning a, another dollar. This is when you begin to justify your treatment of people because it leads to more profit. This is when you begin to push away the marginalized in order to take advantage of market conditions. This is happening right now in our city. Let me just say, real estate prices have never been higher. The good news is real estate prices have never been higher. The bad news is it's pushing a lot of the poor people out of our city. And we have to be really careful that we don't look up one day and we push all of the people that really need our help further away from their source of income and their source of help. I'll do whatever it takes to get more. This is Timothy, Paul saying to Timothy, people who want to get rich fall into these temptations and traps, foolish, harmful desires that plunge men and women into ruin and destruction. This morning when I was thinking about this message, I said, Father in heaven, of all the Sundays that I'm grateful to, to preach under the cross, I, I'm so grateful today that the whole time I've been speaking about this, I've been under this cross that's lit up in, uh, right above me. Because if that's what causes me to be generous. Every time I'm confronted with one of those three lies, I don't have enough, what I have is mine, and I'm gonna justify any behavior that it takes to get more of it. Every time I think about that, I think about what Jesus did at the cross for me. Jesus didn't go to the cross demanding something. Jesus didn't go to the cross in order to get something back from me. Jesus didn't use the cross to manipulate me in order to, for his own riches. Jesus went to the cross and surrendered himself, gave of himself completely without any intention of getting anything back from us without demanding anything in return, the cross was the ultimate surrender of God into the hands of men, knowing that men would mistreat him, that men would falsely accuse him, 
that men would ultimately take him to his own death. But he knew that if he submitted himself like that, he knew that, the, that man could be redeemed. That there would be a group of people who would believe in his sacrifice. There would be a group of people that would see his selflessness. There would be a group of people who would believe in that sacrificial atonement and would believe and put their hope and trust in him and that that group of people would then carry his generous spirit into the whole world and greed would be defeated, not by force, not by might, but by the spirit, greed would be defeated. And the church, listen, we are carriers of this truth. If there was ever a group of people on the planet in Colorado Springs who should carry the good news of generosity, it is us who have been saved by grace, not by our works. We have been saved because of an empty cross and an empty tomb. Can somebody say amen? So this is the last thing I want to say before we come to the table. Greed starts with small compromises. And it leads to great regrets. This is what Proverbs teaches us. This is what 1 Timothy 6 teaches us. Greed doesn't start with big compromises. Greed starts with small compromises. But it leads to great regrets. It doesn't end well. And so today I want you to stand with me. We're going to just take a moment and pray through these three things today as a church. Would you stand up with me today and... I just want to tell the person who spray painted our front door, I agree with you, greed is sin. Thank you for reminding me by spray painting my brand new front door. But as I thought about that, I wondered, I said, how many times in the last few years have I repented of it? I'm, I'm thinking for myself. How many times have I been aware that I'm prone to it? All of us are prone to it. And just stopped and made sure my heart's clean. Maybe it was a warning sign. Maybe it was the Lord saying to me through this awful act of vandalism, what if God was just saying, hey, Brady, make sure your heart's clean. Make sure, make sure your heart stays pure and fresh before the Lord. So can we just pray through the three things that I talked about today as we prepare to come to the table of the Lord? Can we just say to the Lord, Lord, I am content. You've given me enough. Just say it in words. Can we just say, Father, I may have believed the lie that I don't have enough. But godliness with contentment is great gain. And Lord, we thank you today that what we do have, what you have blessed us with, Lord, we are stewards of it. We're caretakers of it, but it doesn't belong to us. You're the one who gave it to us. You're the one who entrusted it to us. So Lord, we thank you today that you are the giver of all good things. Father, today I pray that we would be aware of minor compromises that lead to major regrets. And we confess today that we all in this room have had minor compromises. None of us are perfect. None of us are without fault. But we thank you today for extravagant grace. We thank you today that when we call upon the Lord, when we confess our sins, when we, when we, when we bring these things out into the open, that you are a gracious and good God who's quick to forgive. You've already made up your mind to forgive. So for that, we're very grateful today. We receive it. We receive it today. Father, I pray now over New Life Church that this would be a church that's marked by extravagant generosity. That we would be a people that rejoice when we give. That we would be a people who long to be generous. And Father, I thank you for this generous church. I thank you that because of the generous people in this church, we're able to bless the people in our city. So Lord, I pray that would always be marked. We would always be marked by that. So we come now to your table to receive your grace, to receive your strength. You are a good God who loves his people. So we come now to the table of the Lord 
to remember and to proclaim your goodness, your grace, your generosity. And we ask it now in the matchless name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Let's sing this song today. We're gonna to sing this song as a prayer, as an anthem, and then Pastor Eddie's gonna come up in a minute and lead us to the table. Let's sing together.
take a second here and go ahead and grab hold of the elements as we get ready to receive communion today. And if you ever wondered what generosity looks like, we now hold the perfect picture of that in our hands. It's his generosity. He's the one who gave of himself. He not only is our provision in the things he gives, he also is the very provision himself. Jesus Christ. So go ahead and take hold of that piece of bread. And we remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We eat together. Then after supper, he took the cup and said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. We drink together. And if you're thankful for the generosity of the Lord Jesus Christ, just say amen. Amen. We give thanks to the Lord for that. And now we're going to take our thankfulness and let that fuel a response of worship. We're going to sing a little bit more here and think upon what God has done and let that fuel your praise here today. All right, let's sing. Come on. getting to do this every single weekend and uh, just a few things before we close if you are our guest today we would love to meet you and there's an area right outside these doors called connect central and um, we would love for you to go there just meet someone new and and ask any questions that you have uh, please please do that after service um, also want to let you know that we have section parties today so if you're in section 10 or 3 it's today's your day all right so make sure you stick around after service and, uh, and come to these section parties where you can, again, start building community with those who you're attending church with. 
Um, if you have something that needs prayer today, we would love to pray with you. So ministry leaders who are in the room, if you wanna go ahead and start coming forward, uh, at the, as soon as we conclude the service, if there's something on your heart, please allow us the privilege uh, to pray with you by just coming forward as soon as we conclude. All right, well, before we go, uh, I, I just had it on my heart to pray uh, what Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. I wanna pray that for you here today. So if you would just open your hands as we, as we pray. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend what with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. May it be so that as we leave today, we would be filled with the fullness of God, with everything that he has for us. And we pray this in the name, in the name of Jesus. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. It's so good to worship with you. We will see you next week.